about not going back just because I was like so glad to be home, you know, like be with family or with my dog. You know, I would have easy access to everything, whether it was a bed or like, you know, a grocery store and things like that. Like things that I didn't necessarily miss, but it's just like, you know, just that I took for granted. Um, uh, like being in that that comfort of those things. So teared up a little bit and I just thought, you know, I'm going to I have to go. I have to continue going. <laughs> Welcome to the Hiking Through Podcast. I'm Erin Egan, laughing at how innocent we sounded on March 15th. Little did we know. And this is the podcast where I talk to experienced through hikers about their adventures on the trail and strategies for successfully completing a through hike. Today's guest is Tiger, known off trail as Sam Yeva. He did two life altering things in 2019 he through hiked the PCT and got married. In this episode, of course we have to talk about how he convinced his fiancée that being on the trail before and after the wedding was a great idea, the difficulty of visiting home while through hiking, and the Sierra curveballs. You can find this episode and all previous episodes at hiking-through.com, where you can also find show notes, photos, and links for any gear mentioned in this podcast. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcast and all the other podcast places. Enjoy my conversation with Tiger. Hey, Sam. Hey, how's it going? It's good. How's it going for you? Pretty good, despite what's going on around LA. I know, right? (laughs) Trying to get everything together. (laughs) Well, I was thinking the other day, you know how everybody is so infatuated with... uh, the Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead yeah. and all of those. And I was just thinking the other day, particularly with the rain and the whole weather thing going on, mm-hmm. the lines in the stores and stuff. I'm like, I wonder if this is how, you know, like <laughs> the off screen Fear the Walking Dead, because that's supposed to be the start of the infection. Yeah. Ha- looks oh, like, yeah. You know? <laughs> oh, totally. <laughs> um, it just made me think about the CDC and how like they visited it. Um, uh, uh, Cause Travis is in Atlanta right now. And he mentioned, you know, CDC being headquartered there. And it made mm-hmm. me think of that scene where they go up to the CDC and it's like empty. And like, you know, like that's like where like they think like something came out of. But I don't know. It yeah. just made me think of that. And just like, yeah, this is going to be like the start to something. Who knows? They might change like the way things are written in the history books um, in the future. <laughs> oh, it definitely will. Oh, my God. Yeah, I... I... I'm going to be really interested to see where this leads, you know, both in terms of people and and whatever in general, but also, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm heading out to the trail. And so it's going to be really interesting to pop in every once in a while and kind of see what's happening. Oh, totally. I mean, like, it is like another form of social distancing. So it's like, like us, but at the same time, so, you know, does that mean no one wants to pick us up if we want to hitchhike or, you know, like, is, yeah. are the grocery stores going to stay open if we have to, like, get resupplies? So <laughs> that's, like, one thing we have to think about <laughs> as, you know, any hiker that might be out there for multiple days. So, 
Yeah. Well, I was seeing somebody posted who starts, who's starting in like a week or so. Yeah. Posted that they were completely changing their resupply plan and, and now had gone out and bought mass quantities of, you know, bars and meals and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, um, <laughs> well, my job just, uh, gave me two weeks off because of, you know, they want to, they want to promote social distancing. So I'm at home for two weeks and I'm thinking I should probably get on the trail. <laughs> um, but thinking about it, like I still have to get supplies and every visit that I've made the last two days have been unsuccessful because like things are no longer in stock. So yeah. who knows? We'll see. <laughs> I've only got two packets of spam currently in my hair. <laughs> <laughs> That'll last you two not days. very long. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> um, even all the, uh, um, Dehydrated meals at REI were sold out. We went on Fridays, so no luck there. <laughs> yeah, I was there. Was it Friday or yesterday? I don't remember, but no, actually, I think it was yesterday. And yeah. there were a few, like I grabbed a few, but it was slim pickings. Oh, for sure. Uh, I might have like some Norse packets, I think. So I think that should be good. <laughs> yeah. For like, any three days that I might have max with like whatever I have left over. So. <laughs> That's right. Assuming that you can still eat those things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's leftovers from the PCT. <laughs> there we go. So the whole point of this is, you know, some tips, tricks, you know, a little gear talk, but it's all, it's really about stories. Oh, for sure. You know, yeah. making everybody feel comfortable with that, that they're not the only one going through whatever it is that they're going through. Yeah, yeah, totally. And speaking of, of going through, Mm -hmm. when did you decide to do the PCT last year? So I would say the decision to me to actually like do it, um, happened about two, maybe, maybe even a month before I actually started. I signed up February Maybe I think it might have been like February 14th, 12th or 14th. Um, and I got on trail March 24th. <laughs> so not too long. Wow. Well, yeah. and, and you had a, a big event planned last year. So <laughs> how was that conversation? <laughs> so um, for some of you guys that might know, like on the trail, like I got married. Um, mm-hmm. So I had to get off trail for about um, almost a month. Um, that was about three weeks into the hike. Um, I got off, uh, I got off to get married. Not only did I get married, I got married overseas, uh, <laughs> at a honeymoon overseas. And that conversation actually didn't start out so well, only because the, the wedding was planned way before the hike. Um, yeah. planned a month for the hike. Um, so it took a bit of convincing. Um, my, uh, my husband, um, then fiance <laughs> was quite disappointed, uh, when I brought it up. Um, and so, you know, I mentioned something about wanting to do something big, something different. Um, you know, I was going through a lot, um, personally, as far as like personal development, you know, cause a lot of the, in the past like 10 years, um, I kind of felt like I was stagnant with like what my focus on life was or what I wanted to do and, you know, trying new things. And so, <laughs> The wedding took place or the wedding, the wedding planning was already happening. And I was trying to, in the back of my mind, I was trying to figure out what, what, what I could say to convince <laughs> Beyonce that this would be okay. It'd be a great plan. 
Yes. Um, and one of the reasons being that, you know, I feel like this would make me happier. And at the same time, it would be a benefit to both of us to do something happy to make me happy and then therefore make us both happy. <laughs> like they say about, you know, a happy spouse <laughs> makes a happy yes. marriage. So, yes. um, it was things like that. Um, and plus he's been very supportive of like the things I wanted to do. Um, you know, having, having spent, uh, I would say like the last nine years with him. Um, oh, wow. okay. Yeah. And throwing my support behind him and everything that he did. I think it was, I wouldn't say right to give me, you know, just, <laughs> oh, but, um, you know, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, but that's not where it started. Originally when I signed up for the, um, PCT, uh, my start date was actually May 13th, which would have given me more time to plan this whole thing out. Um, mm -hmm. and then actually, you know, go with the wedding, which happened in April and then come back and then I would be able to start. And then I threw a curveball by changing my start date to match um, my buddy Travis's, uh, which was, is March 24th. Um, and that became another conversation with my fiance. <laughs> uh, there were fears of like me not being able to come back in case I got hurt or something happened, like if I died. Um, <laughs> but my uh, some of the reasons I gave him was that, you know, it's going to snow in Washington and we didn't want to get there really late. Um, so I have to start early. Plus the desert's going to get hot. Um, and you don't want me to like, you know, die or something bad to happen to me due to heat exhaustion if I started in May. <laughs> and it's going to be safer for me if I'm traveling with Travis because there'll be yes. a buddy system thing going on. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I was like, well, cause he knows Travis and he, you know, you can trust them. I was like, you know, I think it's best that I travel with somebody that you know that way like if anything bad were to happen at least we know that you know i wasn't alone <laughs> so not only was he you know scared for those reasons but it was a matter of like will my custom made suit still fit after <laughs> hiking so yeah. that was a big deal because <laughs> these suits were expensive so <laughs> I i'm assuming that the suit fit but it did <laughs> I made sure to size it up a little bit or size it down, actually size it down because I knew I was going to lose weight over the course of three weeks. <laughs> so how much weight did you lose? In three weeks, just 10. Okay. Just? Yeah, just 10. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, I was actually expecting to lose more, but um, we tried our best to eat as much as we could uh, during those three weeks. Um, so. <laughs> those are good goals to have. Yes. But with you signing up so late or, or deciding to do it so late, mm -hmm. how did it come into your, your circle? You're your in, you know, planning even, because obviously it wasn't something that you had been thinking about, or maybe you had been, and then you finally just took the bull by the horn, so to speak. Yeah. So a lot of it would say it would, would have been the influence. I would like to say it, it was mostly the influence of my friend Travis. Um, that's because I was sitting behind my desk at work and we would spend a lot of time talking about gear. <laughs> and at that point I had already started backpacking, like, um, doing like little solo backpacking trips or even with friends. Um, so backpacking was new to me. So there was a lot of gear talk. Um, eventually, 
um, the idea came up about like, what could I do? You know, what big thing could I do? Like now I wanted a change. I wanted like a change of, uh, <laughs> what am I trying to say? Um, I wanted to quit the job that I had and I wanted a re a good reason to do so. And like, I needed something to fill the time. Um, so I took this as an opportunity at the very last minute. I decided, you know, what big thing could I do? And decided, you know, I could go on, uh, I could, I could hike the PCT. Um, you know, you're reaching out in thin air and you just pull it down. Yeah. So like research for it. Um, actually over the course, over the years, you know, I would like read up, read up on the trail. Um, I would like look at the maps, um, you know, like see where it went through and things like that just to see like, Oh, where can I hit it? And like, if, if I went on a backpacking trip, like where, where can I walk? on the trail for like at least a mile or something like that. The first time being at Vasquez rocks, um, several years ago, I did like about two miles on the PCT, not thinking that I would do it in the future, but you know, just thinking about, you know, this is a big trail. Like a lot of people, you know, take out several months of their life to do this thing, you know, such, mm -hmm. it's such a big deal. And for me to just step, set foot on it for just a few miles, like was like, you know, a big overwhelming feeling. Again, it didn't really made me think about wanting to do it, but it just felt good to just kind of step on a, this trail that a lot of people, you know, set out to do big things. But so little things like that over the years. And then um, eventually, again, it was just like mostly all this gear talk with uh, Travis about what, what we could bring or how we can like lighten the pack a little bit. And I was like, you know, I could probably get into this too. <laughs> At first you we were thinking, oh, maybe I can like join you for like the JNT section or something like that. And like, you know, get a taste of what um, a long trail would be like. Um, and eventually um, I think that idea, the inception of the idea in my brain just kind of like grew. <laughs> it became like cancerous in a way where it was just like spreading. And then the idea just like grew to the point where like, you know what, let's do this now. <laughs> and let's do it all. Yeah, might as well. <laughs> I mean, I didn't really have the expectation of actually finishing it um, before, um, like once I, when I first started, just because I had the wedding and I didn't think about that. Like, you know, do I get married? And then just like, I'm just like gone again, gets married and is like gone for the next like several months. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, apparently that. it's you. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't really think about, you know, finishing. I just wanted to like get started on the trail, get a taste of what through hiking was going to be like. And there I was a month later after signing up at the starting point. <laughs> you were in Campo at the Southern Terminus. Yeah. <laughs> what was that first week like? Uh, it was pretty easy. Um, honestly, like there was plenty of water because we had a lot of um, rain in 2019, um, especially in the, during the spring. So water carries were pretty easy and <laughs> we were expecting to have to carry, you know, like four liters of water at a time, but it ended up being where we were just like dumping it and we're like, well, there's a Creek up ahead that, um, everyone on gut hooks was commenting that it was flowing. Uh, normally it's dry, but there were plenty, there was plenty of water for us to, um, gather. So, it made things easy. Um, we were already dumping things to reduce our pack weight even before we started hiking. So, meaning what? <laughs> like extra things like 
uh, like camp shoes or sandals that ended up in a bounce box in a San Diego post office to get <laughs> to get bounced ahead. <laughs> Still, our packs were somewhat heavy compared to what they were like once we got to Washington. But I would say like the, the beginning of the trail was easy. I actually thought it was fun just because that was like the best time to meet new people on trail. You hitchhike for the first time. Uh, it was like, it was like, um, freshman year of high school. You were just <laughs> learning everything. It was new. Um, you're excited to see this and that. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I would say it was probably one of my favorite sections, um, of the trail. Which is potentially why after your <laughs> three weeks you came back to it as opposed to just making that a section hike and then being done. Yes. Oh, totally. I think the expectation was that I would get so used to being off trail that you get soft. Yes. (laughs) I missed having a bed or an actual toilet in the bathroom where I didn't have to worry about someone just like popping up and seeing me like do the number two. But (laughs) yeah, uh, actually the whole time while I was away um, from my honeymoon, I was actually getting anxious because I really wanted to get back on the trail the three weeks really like taught me like so much about, um, you know, like what life is like out there. Um, and not having a worry about the rest of the world, um, you know, the stresses of home or things like that. So it was something that I definitely missed, uh, when I was away. And then yeah. you were watching Travis continue up the trail. Oh yes. <laughs> I even had, I think I had a, a dream or two about like falling really, really far behind and I think I woke up yelling or something like that while I was, <laughs> I was in a bed, a comfortable bed in Italy somewhere. Um, and I woke up frantic because I was just worried that yeah, I was going to be left behind on the trail just because, uh, you know, Travis or anybody that we hiked with the first three weeks was like starting to just like move ahead. And I think I was worried about like what it would be like coming back. I would have to like meet new people regain those trail legs. (laughs) How was that? Um, it was, it was challenging the last three days. Um, and those three weeks that we started, um, I started to have pain in my ankles. I think I had a high ankles, what they call a high ankle sprain. Um, we were increasing our miles, um, to about 25, 27 um, miles a day. And so I left the trail with swollen ankles, which affected getting around, especially like on my wedding day. It really made it a challenge <laughs> having to walk <laughs> down an aisle uh, mm-hmm. with like with broken ankles. So, <laughs> but getting back after about almost a month, I think I, I felt like I was ready to hit the trail again. Um, so I started 20 miles on the first day and that's going up to Wrightwood from Cajon Pass. Most people, you know, find that a challenge because it's just uphill the whole way. I was still passing people. So I felt good. I was like, yes, I still have my trail legs. And then I actually ended up camping early (laughs) just because no one was, uh, I think the, um, I got up to the top and, uh, I wanted to get a good camp spot before anyone else did. So camp there. Next day, I went into Wrightwood, camped 10 days, uh, 10 miles, and then the next day up to Baden Powell. And that ended up being a 30, my first 30 mile day. Um, and that actually, uh, triggered more pain in my ankles. Um, I guess I have, I didn't really heal over the 
over the month I uh, was gone. So <laughs> ended up taking another week off. <laughs> oh, real? Okay. <laughs> so three days back, and then I, I had to take a week another off. Week. Let my ankles heal again. So um, I would say that I think I uh, was overconfident about my abilities. <laughs> yeah. And wanted to hit it fast. I was really trying to catch up to everyone else that had like gone ahead of me. So yeah. um, I had making, I had miles to make up. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah. So it was definitely a bad idea to do that. <laughs> but that would have been your first time on trail by yourself, correct? Or sort of yes. camping by yourself? Yeah. And it was actually um, mentally challenging um, just because uh, I had gotten so used to hiking with someone and I hiked, camp, ate, you know, did everything together. And to be back on the trail alone, um, it was kind of weird at first. But, you know, like about 10 miles in, being back, you know, I felt good. I was just like, it, it was nice. It was sunny. I just walked above the clouds. And I was just like thinking, you know, I could do this. I can be alone. It's going to be fine. Um, until it started to rain <laughs> two days it was just like rain nonstop and no one was on trail. Um, everyone was taking a zero at Wrightwood. Um, meanwhile, I was just like, no, I can't take any zeros. I had just taken like a whole month off. I'm going to keep going <laughs> despite the rain. Um, and I think I was hiking with a bubble. So they had, there was a bubble that was taken like a zero here and a zero like two days later. Um, and I was just like, I, I couldn't do that. So I kept going. I camped out in, at the base of Baden-Powell and it rained so much that like my tent got wet. Um, and I was just thinking about like, you know, this is miserable. Like I'm alone. No one's here. Like to like share like this misery with me. <laughs> <laughs> misery does love company. <laughs> um, and so like, what could I do? I'm not going to like hike back into town. So I was just like, I'm just gonna keep going next day. I went up to Baden Powell and as I was coming back down, um, I was alone on the backside, you know, hiking through snow and then I, um, slipped and I was sliding down the snow. I don't know, it must've been like 50 feet. And I was just thinking, no one knows I'm out here except for like my husband and, you know, like a few friends and, you know, I could have just like died or something and, no one's going to know until like two or three days later, just because no one else was hiking on the trail. So it made me think about that. Like that I, I got back up and I was just like, so nervous. And I was actually kind of scared because I was just thinking about how lonely I was out there, you know, slipping, you know, on the snow and having to like hike back up, get back on the trail, just thinking about loneliness for the next <laughs> hundred miles. Yeah. Too. <laughs> Thinking about what could happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, look, good thing that there was no snow beyond like Baden Powell through the Angeles National Forest. Um, but again, it was still lonely. Like the next, like it must have been like twenty miles from there because I was doing a little bit of a road walk on the Angeles Crest Highway um, due to the trail closure because of like what is it the frogs? I think. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, so that was kind of creepy. Like I'm walking past, um, Mount Waterman ski, ski resort. It wasn't running. The, um, the campgrounds that were along the trail in that section were bare. There was a section, section there, there were hikers, but 
they weren't hiking, I guess, because it was raining and <laughs> they didn't want the rain. So it was kind of weird to be back. Finally got to mile 403 and I decided, you know, I needed to go home. My ankles were like pretty much shot. Um, I had hiked 30 miles, my first 30 mile day. And <laughs> it was only three days into being back. And already at that point, I was just like, I, I, I really need to go home just to let my ankles heal. Plus it was my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> you got a twofer out of it. Yeah. I couldn't be alone on my birthday. So <laughs> felt like you know, it was a good idea to go back to the house and then just kind of recuperate. Right. And since you're in LA, it was fairly easy. Yeah. Yeah. Although it was still a challenge getting up to that, getting, getting someone to pick me up, not knowing a part of the road was closed. The rumor was it was a rock slide, but who knows? It could have been something else because um, accidents happen there all the mm-hmm. time. It was a challenge. My husband had to pick me up. He got up to a certain point on the highway and because he couldn't reach me, he had to go back down the mountain, um, back into town to get a cell signal to message me to let me know that the road was closed. So, and I, I responded with, no, it isn't closed. Cause I see cars like passing me like right now. <laughs> Turns out there was like a mile closure or something like that. And cars have been, they were taking alternate routes to get around it. And he didn't know that we, well, I didn't know it either. Eventually we figured it out. Um, three hours later. <laughs> I bet that was a fun three hours. Yeah. He had to go up and down the mountain just to get a signal to reach my in reach. Cause I didn't uh-huh. have a, Signal. So that became a challenge. <laughs> so it was, it was a big stressful ordeal just to pick me up for the both of us. And then you're off the mountain or off the trail for a, a week. Yeah. But then decide to come back on. Yes. Go back on. Um, so during that week, um, Travis had already made it up to, to the Sierra. Um, and they took several days off just because of like the storms that were coming through. Um, and that was where we decided, um, that it'd be best if I just met up with them in Lone Pine and then just continue from there just because I just felt like it would be a better, it would, I would have a better experience going to the Sierra with people I knew. Uh, so it was kind of crazy to, to say that instead of like, you know, flipping ahead or past the Sierra or doing all these other crazy flips that I actually jumped ahead into the Sierra, <laughs> which most people would be like, wait, that that's not, that's not how it works. Yeah. That, that's not usual. Or you flip North or something. No. Um, I was, I was really, I, I really wanted to finish the trail. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to go into the Sierra. That was the um, intention was to go, you know, through rather than mm-hmm. we wanted to con- do a continuous path of like going northbound um, so I decided to join them rather than going back to mile four or three, I skipped Mojave, <laughs> um, and then went up to the Sierra to meet up with Travis, um, and some friends that we hiked with, uh, previously and go from there. How did your equipment catch up with you? Um, well, luckily I was able to go home. <laughs> oh, cause it was at home and your husband would have sent it up to you. Yeah. So all of my um, equipment, like an ice axe or crampons, they were already packaged up, ready to go at, you know, at the moment of a text message to be like, hey, mm-hmm. let's mail these things out. But because I was, I hadn't, um, I, I took that week off home, um, I unpackaged everything and just made my Sierra pack um, and went from there. So pretty easy. <laughs> yeah, it kind of all worked out, right? Yeah, yeah. 
it really works out great living in LA for like, you know, getting prepared for um, the Sierra section. Cause I'm sure for a lot of people that that is a challenge. If, you know, you have to like move things around. If you already ship mm-hmm. things to meadows, I'm sure that would have been difficult because my stuff was addressed for Kennedy meadows and um, I'm glad I didn't send it ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt. Yeah. But you sort of just, again, being on the trail for three days, getting off with your ankles, taking a week off, and then you drop yourself into the Sierras. That was a little bit of a rude awakening. Yes. <laughs> and um, again, like going into that was not what we expected. We, um, I got, I met up with them in Lone Pine and we were still waiting out a storm that was still going through. I think, I don't know if it was going through or it was just sitting there and just brewing up, you know, like snow and whatever. So I think we were in Lone Pine. I, well, at least I was in Lone Pine for maybe like two days or something. And then we decided to go into Kearsarge. We camped the night at the, I think Onion Valley campground, um, at the base of the, tra- at the trailhead. Um, and then the day that we went in, we ended up having to turn around, um, because the storm was getting worse. So going into the Sierra just didn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> Me at least. Um, so it's just like all these things just were just coming up. Um, they were just coming at me. It was like almost a sign of like, Hey, maybe you shouldn't be on the trail. I think you're done. <laughs> but no, we just wanted to keep going. So we ended up going north to do a hundred miles or 125 miles just to, you know, wait out the storm. Uh, we didn't want to wait in town and just spend more money sitting in a hotel. So we knocked some miles out up in NorCal and then we came back. How long was the storm expected to be? Uh, it was, I think they were really not sure about like how long it was going to last. Um, just because what, what was, what the storm was coming from was there was a, uh, low pressure system sitting off the coast of California and it affected most of the Western seaboard. Um, it was like just dumping a lot of uh, moisture, um, and it wasn't moving. So, um, there wasn't really any like prediction on like when it would last until it was basically just waiting it out until like this low pressure system were to move away. Um, and I think it sat there for a good like week, a week and a half. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's definitely bringing moisture, not only in the Sierra, um, but also everywhere else on the trail. Like when we're, where, where we went up to was, um, we went up to Shasta. And it was still snowing. We had uh, we had a tornado warning up there, <laughs> thunderstorm. Jesus. Yeah, it was. It was. I think the storm was just following wherever we went. It was all about uh, following you. Yeah, I mean, it it forced us back out of Kearsarge. So we went up to NorCal, and we had hail up there. We got dumped on with snow, a foot of snow. Um, <laughs> it was it was just we couldn't escape it. <laughs> Um, and at that point we decided, you know what, if we're going to get snow up here, we might as well just go back into the Sierra and just, you know, just, just go, go through, like, you mm-hmm. know, just, let's just challenge ourselves. So we went back down. <laughs> let's just embrace it. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to embrace the suck. I mean, that's what the whole hike is about anyways. So, uh, we went back down to the Sierra, entered through Kearsarge, um, and just went North from there. Luckily, we had a good weather window when we entered. Um, we had a little bit of snow going up to Kearsarge Pass, but um, the next few days were pretty good, except for a thunderstorm one of the days. Um, I think it was, I think that was maybe 
before going up the Muir Pass. But And you weren't on a ridge for that one? No. We were actually along a um hiking along a river. This might have been in Sequoia National Park, but forgot what section. It was just a rocky section. Had to take some take a take shelter underneath like a little cliff <laughs> from the rain. It was just a downpour, lightning, thunder, a little bit of hail. <laughs> so what was going through your mind in the middle of like this whole two, three week period here where you're off trail and then you're on and then you get pushed off and you move and you come back. And um, I, I had mixed feelings because I was just like, you know, I was I didn't want to take these as signs of like maybe I shouldn't be hiking. But at the same time, I was actually more excited to be hiking with um, Travis again. Uh-huh. <laughs> so um, I think it was more excited about just like just getting through um, through all of this, you know, just I'm going to push myself just because this is what I signed up for. Um, I didn't want to back down. So I think my mind was just like kind of all over the place at that point to the point where I was just kind of jaded to like, I guess, fear or like any pain that I might have like incurred. But I was just like thinking, I'm, I want to get through. <laughs> I'm like here with my buddy hiking, like, let's get through this. <laughs> so there wasn't a fear factor to it or anything like that. It was just, like you said, embrace the suck, look at the challenges, figure yeah. out how to get a around them or through them and, yeah. and then just keep moving. There was uncertainty. So, you know, like I was just actually thinking about something when we were up on Mather Pass, like, you know, we're already up there. You can't turn around. Like if you try to turn around, you, something bad might happen. You might make the mm-hmm. wrong step. So I think a lot of the fear was kind of just like, I just didn't really think about it. It was just, it was either it was either I, I might die at this very like at the next step or I just keep going um, just like just push myself. So I don't I don't think I can remember any like sense of like fear for like like on the trail. It was just a matter of like I'm just not sure what was going to happen next. I'm just going to keep going. So one step at a time. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's interesting because you also note. A number of times on uh, on the posts that you were making with pictures yeah. and stuff like that about needing stability, not liking uncertainty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy. Like uh, again, my mind was all over the place. Um, so when when I mentioned something about stability, um, I think I was uh, I was like kind of referencing like how life had been the last like ten years, like you know having a salary job where. Um, I didn't have to worry about, you know, like not getting paid or mm-hmm. not having insur- health insurance. You know, I had that stability in my life where things just became monotonous and I was just like doing the same thing over and over again. And so there's like a comfort to that. Yes. And I think I was getting too comfortable with it to the point where like, if anything else were to like come up in my life, how would I be able to like handle a change in a situation or, or like, how can I be adaptable? And so just thinking about like before starting the trail, I was just thinking about how like this would be a good opportunity to embrace the uncertainty and being able to adapt to the always changing environment that we'd be putting ourselves through on the trail, get myself out of the comfort zone. And so I think congratulations (laughs) being in the Sierra, like it was really like all of that. I was like, you know what? I'm out of my comfort zone. I am like, I have to learn to adapt to like the, the always changing weather, 
you know, like the terrain that was always different. And I, I had to learn to embrace that. And so I was more focused on like the uncertainty rather than just like, okay, you know, like I'm afraid to go in because I don't want to like, you know, fall down a cliff or, you know, something, I, I don't know, be in an avalanche or something like that. Like, I didn't want to think about that. Like, cause I just felt like that would prevent me from actually go, you know, going on with this hike. So I just like thought about like, you know what, I know I'm not going to know what's going to happen ahead, but I just want to be open to that. Get out of this comfort zone that I've been like accustomed to of like, you know, the comforts of having a bed and a toilet, having a job that I don't have to worry about, like not getting paid the next day or two or something like that. Big challenge for myself. <laughs> so I pretty much try to embrace, you know, like the, the, the first three weeks of being back um, on trail. It was definitely not like the desert the first three weeks where, you know, you were still, even though you were learning something new, it was, it was like the fun kind of learning. You're like mm, <laughs> <all that. Yeah. laughs> Type one, type two fun. Yeah. <laughs> or beyond that. <laughs> yeah. But it, but it's, even though every day is different and, and you don't necessarily know exactly what's, what's going to come, there is a certain, I guess, comfort level to it maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the desert? Yeah. Yeah. Cause like in the desert, you knew, um, like what was ahead. I mean, we relied on gut hook, you mm-hmm. know, comments on like, is there going to be a water source ahead? Um, so it was like comfortable, comfortable knowing that, oh, there is water. You don't have to carry as much or, you know, like town is ahead, you know, maybe like a day or two. You know, we had trail angels that were ha- like giving us a place to stay, whether it was Mike's place. Or, you know, something like that. Um, so, like, knowing those things were there, you know, re- you didn't really have too much to think about as far as uncertainty. Like, you know, am I going to run out of something? I always felt prepared in the desert section. Um, I, think you, I think we were too, more focused on, like, okay, what can we do to reduce our pack? Like, what can we drop? <laughs> uh, it was things like that. It was just, like, trying to – we were still trying to do – give ourselves a shakedown on the trail. (laughs) Yeah. As I think most people try to do once they get comfortable with what, what it is that they're doing. So, I mean, I would say like the desert, I didn't really get too comfortable with like what I was like, what every day was like, Oh, I guess cause it was easy in a way. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I was just, I was, I was looking forward to um, a more challenging experience. So like the Sierra was always like, on my mind, like, Oh, what's that going to be like? What's the Mojave going to be like, you know, walking along the aqueduct? Am I going to have to like carry so much more water? Like I was already thinking ahead for like those things that, you know, Mm -hmm. know what it was going to be like. So the Sierra delivered for you. (laughs) It pretty much did. (laughs) Um, Threw you a couple of curveballs. (laughs) I mean, we hit it like during peak melt. How were the river crossings? Uh, they were like, it was crazy. There were like, there were some crossings where um, in some comments, they'd mention a log crossing, you know, whether it was like two week, a week before or even coming to find out it was like a week after the log crossing was there. But because we went through the, we went through Yosemite at peak melt these logs would be underwater uh, just because of how high the water was. Um, so it made it pretty challenging. You know, we had to 
hike, hike extra miles just to get up to a safe crossing where the river might be calm. But even then, the river was still flowing deep and wide. Um, so they weren't just like short crossings. We had to carry the packs over our heads to weigh us, weigh, weigh our bodies down. <laughs> I think I was just more concerned with how cold it was because it was like the coldest bat ever. Um, I really didn't want to get my nipples wet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my nipples get so sensitive and I'm just like, all right, as long as I don't get in ch- chest deep, I'm going to be fine. But no, like the moment, like you take that one step, you just like go under and you're just like, no. And your body just goes so numb. Like you just, you just, I don't even know how I continue to walk through some of this water. Cause just cause it was so cold, you know, you, you do, you can do a polar plunge into the Atlantic or not Atlantic, the Pacific. I'm sorry. We're on the West coast now. (laughs) Um, and you know, I, I always thought the Pacific was cold, you know, just going to the beaches out here in California until you actually get into the Sierra and you have to cross these rivers, you know, your, your clothes are already wet, your shoes are already wet and you just have to get in and then you're just like hiking and wet everything. So it was miserable. <laughs> um, it was definitely tough because we made it a point to try to get to some, get through some of these crossings early in the morning. Um, cause you know, they say, uh, the water level just rises um, over the course of the day, just because like things to things melt more. And so we would get to these crossings at like six or seven in the morning, you know, before the sunrise. And we're just like, we have to get in this. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just, we would like, we would find ways to try to like, meet, see if we can throw a log across the river or something. I don't know. Like we would try to get this tree down to, you know, unsuccessfully, but it would get to the point where like, all right, we just have to just jump in and swim. <laughs> Did you actually end up swimming or was it always at least uh, shallow enough that you could walk? Um, I would say that it was definitely shallow enough for us to like, at least touch the bottom. Um, we would find spots where we, even if it was like, you know, over, it was like neck deep, <laughs> um, you know, we could still make it through, but it was a matter of just like, we had to take it slow going through some of these crossings just because you didn't want to take the wrong step. Uh, yeah. if, if it allowed us to link together, we did that as much as we could. Otherwise, you know, if it was like a wide crossing where we couldn't do that, you know, we would go one at a time so that, you know, one of us, if one of us were to lose our foothold, you know, one of someone else can go down river to like try to get us or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Look, uh, it was a good thing that we, we were there with, um, a group. We wanted to make sure that we weren't there alone. So, um, we found, not found, but the, there were several guys that we, um, did some passes with that joined us for the, uh, water crossing section of Yosemite. Um, and so that made it actually easy to do, but yet it was still pretty challenging having to, you know, hike the extra miles just to find a good spot. Um, and you just had to, embrace the really frigid water <laughs> <laughs> it's an ice bath yeah um and what made it even challenging was the timing of things um because in the previous section from kearsarge to mammoth um we overpacked our food um people were talking about doing that section um with with like 12 days of food 
you know, having that, those expectations, we prepared ourselves for that. We somehow mm-hmm. did a 12 day food section in six and a half days. Uh, <laughs> so okay. we felt confident like getting to mammoth. All right. I'm like, all right, so let's just, so if we can get through the water section of you from mammoth to uh, Sonora pass, you know, we can do that. Let's, let's try to do that in seven days. So we packed for seven days of food. <laughs> so and how long did it take? Um, we made it, we made sure to make it in seven days. But at that point we were just like getting to the point where like, you know, we could be running out of food in case something bad were to happen. You know, what, what if we got stuck out here an extra day? Um, because during that section we were only doing like 10 miles a day, 10 to like 12, you know, I think the most we did in that section was maybe like 18 or something like that. But because we were going really slow, um, it was getting pretty stressful, you know, mm-hmm. not knowing what could be ahead. Um, another it could be another you know deadly water crossing and we just don't have enough food just because we only for seven or a storm could come in. Yes. Which it did before. Once we got to Sonora Pass, um, <laughs> we were caught in a hailstorm. Another one. And we were up top. We were up on, on the mountain. <laughs> what did you guys do to piss off the weather gods? Right? Uh, <laughs> I think uh, we were overconfident in 2019. I think all of us. <laughs> you know, everyone in 2018 spoke about only three days of rain or something mm-hmm. like that. And we were just thinking, all right, it's just going to be it's going to be just like that. Yeah, it's going to be a high snow year, but at least we're going to have good weather. You know, weather was great in the desert. I don't think I remember it raining in the desert for at least the three weeks that I, I hiked. But I was looking forward to like sunshine the whole way. And it turns out not, not. so. <laughs> not for 2019. Um, <laughs> it was just like bad weather days, you know, every day. But mm-hmm. um, not only did we have those uh, water crossings that were like, um, at the highest levels, but you know, we also had hailstorms um, that we had to deal with, and it wasn't just like tiny little pellets. These were like maybe dime size or more. Trying to hike or run, you know, down to uh, Sonora Pass or the highway down there just to get to Canadian Meadows South. But yeah, it was definitely challenging. <laughs> Got you out of your comfort zone, like you asked. Uh, beyond my comfort zone. <laughs> And it didn't go, and it, and it, and I think things were just not done from there. Like the next section from Sonora to Tahoe, uh, we like to describe it as a slip and slide because you just kept sliding, <laughs> slipping and sliding. Um, you would go, you know, you would try to take a step. Um, we had, we had our micro spikes and you would just still slip. You know, the snow was so packed that, um, your, your micro spikes couldn't, you know, keep a hold. Was there an ice layer or something? Yeah, it was mostly like it was an ice layer. I mean, the the snow pack was still like several feet deep and you, we were hiking on a slope the whole time. You know, the mm-hmm. trail would be under a slope and the only way is to go up and down like this thing. You you would like use like what do they call it? A tree well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, kind of like use that as like a leveled spot to step into um, just a hiker, you know, hiker hike or traverse a um, slope. So that became a challenge though. We were picking up our miles. So that was good. <laughs> You're definitely doing bigger miles at that point. 
And then eventually got to Tahoe where we realized, oh, summer was already here this whole time. It felt like we were still hiking through winter. When did you get to Tahoe? Uh, Mid-June. Okay. Yeah, we got to mid-June. Um, and that's where we decided this might be our the last opportunity to take a long break. Long break being three days. <laughs> <laughs> um, definitely took an opportunity to go back to L.A. at that point. Um, okay. Yeah. And, but at that point, I was really close to just like calling it quits only because um, I was drained physically and mentally, you know, after going through the Sierra and all the challenges that we faced. Um, so it made it hard to go home and think about going back on trail from there. So did you, you guys took a break, you saw an opportunity, you took a break, you went home. Was when you left, were you thinking that you weren't coming back to the trail? Um, I wasn't really thinking about not coming back. I think I, what the thought, of, well, it was more like I was kind of worried that the comforts of home would keep me from coming back to the trail. Um, just because I was mentally drained. I mean, physically, I think I was fine. I think at that point, having to carry that heavy pack to the Sierra, it really like pushed my body. Um, so I think I was thinking more about like, you know, I could, I could just like stay home and not worry about, you know, like getting hurt on trail or something like that, you know, just because I was like thinking about that a lot on the, uh, in the Sierra thinking about like, if I'm going to make it through alive or something like that, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know what, I'm at home. I don't have to like challenge myself like that anymore. I don't have to like, I don't have <laughs> Life to. Life is good here. Yeah. Like I don't have to let my husband worry too much anymore at this point. But then, you know, I just thought about like, all right, we're, all right, we're almost like at the halfway point, you know, and it should only get easier from Tahoe, you know? So it's like, well, yeah. stop now. It was comfortable knowing that I had my dog sitting in my lap. So I just sat there. It was it was the morning that I got back um, to L.A. I sat there embracing my dog and I just started to cry <laughs> just because of like knowing that I'm like, I'm really home. Like I made it safely. Uh, you know, like I, I could easily just stay here. I don't have to go back, but I know I have to. And I think just thinking about um, going back uh, made me. It made me tear up. <laughs> I got emotional about it. About going back or about not going back? About not going back. Just because I was like so glad to be home, you know, like be with family or with my dog. You know, I had easy access to everything, whether it was a bed or like, you know, a grocery store and things like that. Mm-hmm. Like things that I didn't necessarily miss, but it's just like, you know, just that I took for granted. Um yeah. Uh, like being in that, that comfort of those things. So teared up a little bit and I just thought, you know, I'm going to, I have to go, I have to continue going. <laughs> it was yeah. just that I had to think about, I only had two days here in LA to really take advantage of, you know, like spend some time with um, my husband um, and some friends. So, so take advantage of it and then get your butt back on trail. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Once you got back on trail there, was it pretty much straight through? Or you had to jump around the 100 miles that you already did, but... Oh, um, it was pretty much straight through. So we continued north from there. We did bounce um, forward 
because we did do 125 miles up in NorCal from Old Station to Shasta. So we just skipped that section since we already did it. But it was just pretty much straightforward from there. We were looking forward to um, like the bigger mile days because um, as we went further north, there was less snow. Uh, we still had snow, you know, up into up through like before Belden. So that challenge was still there. Um, having to hike on sun cups um, because they were, you know, the snow was already melting, but the sun cups were kind of miserable. <laughs> yeah. When did you lose your ice axe and your micro spikes and? Yeah, yeah. Um, once I got to Tahoe, actually, no, I I got rid of the ice axe back in Mammoth. Now that you think about it, the ice axe went home in Mammoth because I didn't need it uh, for the water crossings. Um, crampons went home as well. Um, the only thing I kept were uh, my micro spikes. So snow related uh, micro spikes stayed with me up until we got to. Um, Ooh, that was a long time. I think I dropped, (laughs) I kept my micro spikes up until, I don't know. (laughs) Somewhere in state park. (laughs) Yeah. It, it, it got dropped somewhere in NorCal. I think they, I think I got rid of them, um, in, um, in, uh, Etna. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Once we got past, uh, the Trinity Alps, I could be wrong. It's been a while. <laughs> it might have might have dropped like before that, but everything else snow related, whether it's uh, the, the 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 ice axe or the crampons, those got dropped after the seven passes in Mammoth. So, so you were carrying both crampons and micro spikes. Yes, just because I I didn't know what to expect. You know, some of the some of the passes, uh, I I would say. It was helpful having the crampons just mm-hmm. for added grip. Um, cause I feel I, I kind of looking back at it, I think like the micro spikes probably wouldn't give me enough grip. Um, but yeah, they, they definitely helped, um, in some parts. Um, we didn't use them as much as I expected to. So they pretty much hung on the back of my pack a lot. If anything was, if anything required it, it was mostly my micro spikes that I used. So, okay. Um, it made it easy, like in the mornings, hiking up a pass, um, on, um, on snow that was like still packed in the morning. So, um, definitely useful for that. And then the crampons, I think I only use it for like Mather, maybe Pinchot Mather. And I think that might've been it just because, uh, we were like on some sketchy ridge or something like that especially going up Mather, we were going up the left side versus like where the trail was, which was like under snow. (laughs) So you were just trying to find the safest way up basically. Yeah. Yeah. Which looked like it might've been the sketchiest way up, but (laughs) 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 Um, (laughs) you make a decision and you have to move. Yeah. A lot of it was like, you know what, there's this this trail's covered, you know, we don't have to worry about um, switchbacks. We're just going to go straight up. (laughs) Which in some respects, like I'm coming to appreciate that, you know, if there's a trail there and you see the trail, you know, the trail is cut into the hill. Yeah. And so that makes it safe. But when there's no trail yeah. there, you're essentially walking on snow that's at, you know, 45, 60 degrees, whatever it is. Yeah. And going straight up is actually easier and safer. Yeah. I mean, as long as the snow wasn't like slushy, not slushy, but like mm-hmm. soft or something, it made it fine. 
except for when we went up to Mather, uh, we got to Mather um, in the afternoon. So, you know, the snow wasn't as, as, as packed or, or frozen. So right. it made it a challenge going up that because you would take a step and it would just like crumble underneath your step. And I would, and I just remember there were like instances where I would see, um, our buddy Sherlock, who was, who was cutting into the trail for us up on Mather, you know, you would see him post hole and you you just like stood there frozen, just like hoping he wouldn't just like roll over and just like, just, you know, fall down into, uh, you know, the bowl below us. So that's like one thing that made it a challenge, just like post holing. Like you weren't just post holing like knee deep. Like you were going in like waist deep into the snow just because the snow was just so deep. So yeah, it was, it was, it was great knowing that we could just go straight up. Um, but we were going straight up with like a 55 pound pack. Um, <laughs> you know, versus like what your pack was like in the desert. So, you know, having to carry that extra weight, you're worried more about like, you know, your steps just like falling through and, um, going from there. Cause you never know you step into the wrong thing and you're just done. Like you're out, you just start an avalanche or something. So having done that, having gone through that, how has that changed how you approach, uh, challenges, how you approach life right now? Um, I look, I, I guess I look at challenges now with, I guess I would say, say that I'm a little bit more optimistic about things. I don't really think too much about what could go wrong in terms of like, you know, what could be happening in the future. I don't know. For example, like this whole thing with COVID-19 and what mm-hmm. potentially happened. Um, I don't really want to think about like, oh, well, the world's going to end or something like that. It's just a matter of like, okay, how can I better prepare myself at this very moment um, um, and go from there? Um, and at the same time, how can I make things comfortable for me um, in the next like two weeks? So um, I think going through this year, I would say that it, it's, I feel more comfortable like preparing myself for things um, at, in short notice, you know, like, um, rather than like, I don't know, not being able to adapt to things. I like, I would say like, it's helped me become more adaptable, um, to like an ever changing environment and not roll with it. Yeah. Cause I would say like, I mean, typically I was the kind of person where if something were to change, it would like frustrate me. I, I would, I would get impatient. And now you're, now you're embracing it. Not saying so. that I'm like, yeah, yeah. Not saying that I'm like very nonchalant about like, you know, what's actually happening around me and like, you know, it's going to roll over. It's going to pass. No, like I just have to know that, like, okay, I have to embrace what's going on and then like, you know, just kind of look at things in a, with, you know, look, look at the bigger picture and see where I can, you know, help the situation or like, how can I, uh, help others or, you know, what can I do to better prepare myself? Um, mm-hmm. you know, instead of just thinking, thinking about like what fears are going around, like, Ooh, I need to be like, I don't know, be like all these other hysterical people out there. <laughs> right. I mean, I'm sure because I'm sure that there was fear mongering before going into the Sierra. So you were hearing yeah. it before going in. Yeah. Um, and I tried my best to just kind of just like ignore it. You know, you, you, you fall into this rabbit hole of like reading all these comments on like the Facebook groups. Um, not so much on like Reddit or anything, but like you would just like read one comment and I would like look at it and be like, you know what? 
this is like one person's experience. You know, I'm not going to let that person's experience affect mine because like everyone looks at things differently. Um, so like the fear mongering, I didn't want to like buy into it and I wanted Mm -hmm. to experience things for myself. And so I think with going through the Sierra and all its challenges, I, I kind of look at things now like that where, um, you know, rather than basing what I, what I decide to do on like someone else's experience, I just go on to, I just tell myself, you know what, you, you won't ever know until you do it yourself. You know, whether it's like going to a restaurant, a new restaurant, like, well, everyone says like the pasta is too al dente. Well, I won't, I mean, yeah, they think so, but what if I like that? Like, I'll just go ahead and do it or try it off. So it just, I feel like I feel more comfortable um, going for the unexpected, you know, and being able to say yes to it. (laughs) You're you're more willing to try? Yeah, yeah. I can still find myself indecisive, but at least, you know, I'm, I'm probably less likely to say no to something that got it. Some people are like, well, I don't know. Like this is happening. I'm like, well, just, just go for it. <laughs> You'll never Try know. It. Yeah. Yeah. You only live once. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, cause once you guys got out of the snow, I mean, not that it was an easy straight shot to the border, but relatively speaking, it was easier. Mm-hmm. It's, it was a nice summer, so to yes. speak. Yes. Um, when summer finally hit you. We were so, I think, um, what, what motivated us was that, you know, we were, we were now back on dry trail and we were just like, you know what, we're going to just hit the trail running. <laughs> we like dropped all this weight from like what, whatever was in our pack. Um, I had sw- when I got, when we got to Tahoe, um, I used that opportunity to drop a lot of stuff. I switched out my, my sleep system. Would you switch? What'd you switch from to two? So I was hiking previously in a Feathered Friends Swift UL20 sleeping bag. Not too heavy, but it was still on the heavier side and it was just too warm for me. From there, I switched from when, when we got to Tahoe, I switched to a uh, Enlightened Equipment Revelation 20 quilt. And I run a little bit hot. So, you know, switching to that was actually like perfect. Um, cause we still had cold nights, but I didn't mind it. Actually the mm-hmm. first night back on the trail from the little break in Tahoe, we cowboy camped <laughs> and, it, and it was fine. Like switching to that quilt was just like probably like the best idea. Um, cause I, I knew that I needed something that I can open, you know, being that it was summer already. Um, yeah. you know, we were expecting warmer temperatures, um, despite it, despite the quilt being a 20 degree quilt. I knew that, you know, I could just like just throw it on me, like you have it as like a open blanket. So I switched to that. Um, other things that we changed. Did you have up. an inflatable mattress or pad or anything? So I, I stuck with, um, a Neo air X therm through the whole trail. Um, I didn't switch that out. I kind of wish I did. Um, but, um, it was like one of the things I didn't really feel the need necessarily need needed to switch out anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, just cause I was comfortable with it. You know, it was like warm enough for me, whether it was like summer outside, at least it was like, you know, it would be comfortable. So I stuck with that. And then, Your tent. Um, tent kept the same tent. I am, um, I have a Z duplex in the camo material <laughs> and I loved it. Just, just because of the extra space. 
uh, it was like my mansion <laughs> on the trail. Um, I need, I like having space cause, um, I'm the kind of person that likes to have all my stuff, like just laid out. It's gotta in my be out. Pack. Yeah. So I, so I know, I knew where everything was and I have access to it. My pack was like emptied out and yeah, this, I, I definitely embraced the space in there. So the tent, um, I switched out my pack actually early on in the trail, uh, just because of the Sierra requiring, um, the need for space for a bear can. I started the trail with a Z-Pax Arc Blast. And then when we got to the Sierra, I switched out to a Superior Wilderness Design Long Haul 50 liter. And I needed something that was a little bit more durable for the environment. So um, that's why I went with the SWD. Not saying that the Arc Blast wasn't durable. I just felt like the Dyneema was a little bit too thin for the needs, especially of having to carry a bear can. Because I'm the person that carries the bear can in the pack rather than on top of it. <laughs> and why is that? Um, just for preference, I, mean, I didn't want to have to deal with like a bear can sliding around or like possibly sliding off the pack. It, I just felt more comfortable with, with it being secured inside my pack. Yeah. I've seen like some others having theirs on the, on the outside, you know, I've seen the, the bear can slip out. Um, or like slowly slip out where they have to correct it. Um, and it was just a matter of like not wanting to have to deal with it or think about it. So it was like one, th- one less thing to think about. I have a quick question for you. I just yeah. was realizing, cause I've never asked, cause I've talked to other people who've used quilts, but I've never actually asked them this question. And this is just yeah. a burning question, which is, so if you're using the quilt, it's just you, oh, it, the quilt's over you and you're just laying straight on the inflatable pad, right? Mm-hmm. There's no little uh, uh, sleeping bag line or anything like that. No. Um, okay. So uh, to combat like the whole thing with like sweat or dirt um, getting on any yeah. of that stuff, I made it a point to wear uh, to have like a sleep like a a set of sleeping clothes. I brought some long johns um, to sleep in, and then I wore uh, in gingy socks. Um, okay. so I would wear socks, like a, a, a pair of sleep socks, some long johns and, uh, some, I think early on I did have a sleeping shirt. Um, but eventually I ended up just keeping my, um, Melly on <laughs> and just sleeping with that. I would take my hiking shirt off and then just throw the Melly on. Um, and that was like my sleep system, um, or set up for clothing. So I, I thought about the liner, um, uh, but Decided, you know, it was one extra thing that I didn't really need. It was weight. Yes. Uh, extra weight that I'm like, you know what? I can just like fill it with some other item that I could find more useful, which would be like my sleeping clothes. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, the long johns, like, you know, it, it, it was like it acted as my, you know, my leggings, like for uh, when we were hiking on really cold days. Like I just threw that on, you know, and threw my like rain pants over it. And that was my insulation layer. So um, I always, we, we try to make a point to make things um, usable for other stuff. Double use. <laughs> yeah. I've heard that from other people too. You know, if you can get one thing that does multiple things, yeah. all the better. Yeah. Yeah. So I never really had the, um, the desire to carry like a, a, a liner um, just because I had other things I could use. Some people find it useful. Um, I personally didn't. So, and you didn't need it to keep you warmer or anything like that. So, no, 
I'm the per- type of person that runs warm. <laughs> so apparently, the cuddle. I'm a heater. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, the quilt was, you know, having the quilt um, early on, like in the, you know, like the the last few miles of the Sierra, um, was definitely helpful. Like I stayed warm in it. Um, if I had to, like, really, if it was really cold or like windy outside, I just like clipped them down to my sleeping pad. You know, zipped up box and cinched it up shut so i was good with that um although i kind of wish that i went with a wide i feel like if any a wide like, quilt? a wide quilt yeah okay i have broad shoulders so it would have helped a little bit with the drafts if i were to like roll around because i tend to be a side sleeper uh and if i was on my side there would be like a draft on my back because i was <laughs> like opening the quilt but it didn't make it too uncomfortable. I was still pretty good because the X-Therm really helped uh, with keeping things warm. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. You have a video out there that you posted that was, was it an elk herd going by or? Yeah. <laughs> I think, I believe they're the Roosevelt elk. Um, okay. Yeah, we were up in NorCal. Uh, this was like, this was actually the last day of California. We had like a really really calm morning and this elk herd just happened to be up ahead. I didn't know this, but like Travis was already, he had already spotted them and I somehow interrupted the elk herd. <laughs> he was like, Hey, there's like, <laughs> don't make any noise. And I like looked up and they were, there they were like running across um, the trail. I was like, oops, <laughs> I didn't mean to disturb the peace. <laughs> yeah. You, you got them uh, running. Yeah, because they had, they they ran across like down the hill and then they went back up the hill, um, and I think every step we were taking, like we, it was as if we were pushing them further ahead. But yeah, that was a pretty sight um, or a good way of um, it was a good morning actually because it was you know it was our last day in California, um, something that you know, a lot of hikers look forward to. Um, yeah, you know, we were in you know you, you're in California for so long. You get the NorCal blues and, you know, just being able to get into a new state. That's something we were looking forward to. So that was a nice sight for sure. It's not a sight that many people get to see. No, no. I mean, had Travis not uh, given me a warning, I probably could have just like kept walking and then we would just never see them again. (laughs) Why do you say that? Uh, Well, because like I was I was hiking on the trail, not knowing that he was taking a photo of something. And as we came around like these trees, like that's when I noticed, oh, there, there's a herd, um, that was like out there just wandering. And I think my step kind of like my steps scared them away. <laughs> that was just that extra bit of whatever that. Yeah. I wasn't paying attention. I had just like finished packing up and I was like ready to get on trail. And so I was just, I was like ready to go. <laughs> Doing my own thing, checking gut hook, you know, so I was on my phone, just like not paying attention to like the surroundings. And there they were just like there to remind you like, hey, get off your phone. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Take take a gander of like the the still air and sunrise and everything around you, you know, like appreciate the trail that's about, to, you know, that's ahead. <laughs> Did you struggle with that whenever you could get connection and... No, I think um, that you do mean like connection with like the rest of the world as far as like being able to communicate or. Well, 
a lot of times you see, and it's, it's a typical, you know, people talk about not having connections on the, on the trail to yeah. internet and data yeah. and all of that kind of stuff to self-service. Yeah. And then when they do, you see these pictures of, you know, five people stopped on their phone, you know, <laughs> trying to catch up or post something yeah. to Facebook, Facebook or whatever, or what have you. Um, yeah. <laughs> did you find that a struggle between, you know, staying in the present moment on the trail versus, mm-hmm. oh, I've got connection, mm-hmm. you know, let's, let's do whatever. Yeah. Not so much, just because I think um, that was like one of the expectations that I had for myself was like to be in the present of like where you were um, and wanting to like, you know, kind of stay off the grid. It did. It was a bit of a challenge in the beginning in the desert, just because, uh, you you know, you would get to a spot like on top of a hill somewhere and you would get you would get cell signal and then you you like mention it to everybody and everyone's like, Oh, look, like let's, let's all like get up to that point and then, you know, get on our phones. Um, like one time, um, out of, uh, out of, uh, Cabazon, um, when we were going up whitewater Creek, I just remember we got up to this point and I was like, Oh, now I can order a new pair of shoes from REI. <laughs> so, um, it was like things like that. I mean, it wasn't really too much of a struggle. Like if, you know, if someone were to take the phone away from me, I'd be fine. We did rely on our phones mostly like in the Sierra because we needed it for um, navigating through, you know, the snow just because the trail just wasn't visible. So it was, I think getting out of that section, it was difficult to, um, it was having to get, get used to like, just like use the trail as a means of navigation because you obviously see the trail you know, it, it used early on, it used to be like where, oh, how many more miles do I have ahead, you know, to the next like water source. So you got used to like looking at you, you pulled gut hook up right away. So like trying to put the phone down and just like, yeah, embrace like your surroundings um, was a bit of a challenge, like for me, like leaving the Sierra. But I, I would say like I was getting less reliant on my phone, like beyond that. The mornings were spent, you know, planning ahead, like on gut hook, like how many miles we should be doing or like where we could plan lunch um, so that we can go from there. Just because once you had like the dirt trail ahead of you, um, you didn't really need to know where you were going. You just knew you were on the trail. So I was I would say like being off the phone or being disconnected from society was like fine. Uh, if anything were to, bad were to happen, at least I didn't know about it. <laughs> You know, if, if a somebody, pandemic were to break out, yeah, I'd be like, you know what? Um, it's not stressing me out because like I don't know that it's happening. Um, so it was right. kind of good in a way to just like be off the grid or not have cell signal in certain places. Yeah. <laughs> when you were in the Sierras, were you just relying on gut hook, or did you also have another form of of map or navigation or something like that? Um, just gut hook. Oh, that's an that's an interesting look. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> I know. You, you, there are like there are people out there. They're like, you need to bring maps or whatever. Use these tools. I did have a little compass. It was on a little keychain. It was one of those like little thermometer uh, <laughs> compass um, combo things. It was a like a carabiner thing. So I kept that in the Sierra. <laughs> Dropped it in Tahoe because I didn't need it at that point. But at least if if something bad were to happen, you know, I had my Garmin. I can always, you know, text somebody like, Hey, um, here's my location. How far off 
am I? So if the phone were to break down or something, I think being with a group kind of just squashed those fears anyways. So um, you knew someone else had a phone or, you know, we were all going to be there together in case like all of our phones died or something like that. (laughs) But yeah, um, Go Hook was the only thing we brought into the Sierra. I mean, I had my Garmin too, but I didn't use it for navigating. It was just a matter of just for emergencies if I had to get in contact with anybody. But I would suggest, like, yeah, just bring a compass, you know, <laughs> access to one. Yeah. So you know which way was north. You go from there. <laughs> yeah. What w- what is or was your favorite piece of gear out there? Um. <laughs> I would say it was my sleeping pad. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, it was like something that I look forward to every day. You know, after a long day of hiking, you're just like, all right, when can I inflate this damn thing just so I can late <laughs> and go to bed? <laughs> it, it was, was almost like, like the recess bell. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, you know what? I can't wait to get just lay down. So I would say that was probably like the one item that I look forward to every day. Um, cause I think everything else I took for granted, you know, whether it was just like my rain jacket or like my, my backpack, it was just like things I didn't really think about, but I always thought about the sleeping pad just because <laughs> I thought about how miserable it was to have to inflate it, you know, with like the lack of breath I had after a long day of hiking and, and then knowing that I had something to sleep on, <laughs> but yeah, never had any complaints about the Xtherm. So if you really want something that's a little bit bigger, I suggest the X-Therm. It got you through. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure if it had it been like a, a CCF pad, I probably would have been miserable about it. Like, there's no cushion on this thing or it's so flat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It wasn't as, it's not as light as an X-Lite, but, you know, it kept me warm, especially when we had to camp on snow. So it had multi-uses. <laughs> well, and it was also something that you seemed to... uh look forward to every day. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I kept, I, I kept the same pad through the whole hike. Mm-hmm. So, um, I did get it replaced, um, at one point just because it was, uh, getting to the point where holes just started to pop up just from like the seams, um, just because of okay. just use. Yeah. Nothing like, it's not like I was like s- sleeping on like, uh, sharp objects or anything. It just turns you out poking holes in it. No, <laughs> I babied that thing. <laughs> it was just getting to the point where like every day a new hole was forming. Um, oh, and then okay. luckily we got to uh, Cascade Locks and um, Thermarest happened to have a um, booth at, at PCT Days. I was able to get a replacement from there. So so you walked yeah. up and then said, I have a question for you. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what can I do with this thing? And he was like, well, let's take a look at it. They like threw it in a tub of water. And he was like, yeah. Um, you're the- <laughs> and you see bubbles coming out all over. Yeah. He's like, your, your seams are shot. Like your, your seams are coming apart. So he's like, there's no way to fix that. You can, you can patch it all day, all you want. You're, you're not, you're not going to get to the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> there's not enough duct tape in the world. Yeah. Yeah. You can only carry so much. <laughs> so. Um, they replaced it for me there. Um, luckily they had some available, I think, you know, just cause they know like it would be a good time to replace things. So got yeah. a new pad for Washington state <laughs> or the last of Washington state. Yeah. Um, it yeah. was, I only got to use that pad for the last like 200 miles. Yeah. But 
I'm, I was surprised how long um, the first one lasted. So I don't know anyone who's had lasted only a week into the trail. I don't know what you did, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yours was a uh, bionic. Yeah. Oh no. I babied that thing. And that was, and I didn't even keep it in. I didn't store it in a stuff sack either. It was just thrown at the bottom of my pack, <laughs> rolled up neatly, ready to go. So yeah, that was something I was always looking forward to every day, <laughs> being able to sleep. I'm sure being able to lay down. Yeah. Even just that simple act. Yeah. <laughs> what, what was your favorite meal out there? Um, on trail, I would say <laughs> it was my, um, it was a mountain house meal, but I think it's the, uh, the chili mac. I think that's which, what, which okay, one yeah, it was. I think that bean, is. Chili bean and mac or whatever, whatever that one is. I don't know. I liked it a lot. I know everyone talks about how gassy they might get, but I always found it filling because for dinner, I always wanted a meal that was like high in calories and like protein. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to maintain weight. Did you have issues with hiker hunger? Like waking up at 3 a.m., just ravenously hungry and that kind of thing? No. Um, surprisingly, like I feel like I slept so good on the trail compared to like now, like being at home. I think just because your body's just so tired that you just mm-hmm. sleep through the night. Um, so like even if you were hungry, it just you didn't notice it until the morning. Even then, even in the mornings, like I didn't feel hungry. I actually didn't want to eat, but I had to force myself to eat. And I think it's because, you know, for dinner, that was like my biggest meal during the day. Um, I made it the point, made it a point to make sure that like my dinner was like high in calories and high in protein, um, just to fill me up. Um, as well as like help my body recover from like what it's lost, like throughout the day. But you're asking it to do every day. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Which was also a challenge on my body because I would say, uh, not, I wouldn't, I wasn't a bodybuilder of any sort, but I did work out a lot before the trail, um, to the point where, you know, I weighed like about 180. And then when I got done with the trail, I was 155. I went down to 150, then bounced back up five pounds um, through Washington, just because I lost so much weight that I needed to eat more. Um, so I was myself to eat more just, but at the end of the day, it just still wasn't enough. Still lost a lot of weight. Was it just because you couldn't consume enough calories to keep up? Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause, uh, I had, we had to find a balance with like what we carried and like, you know, what we ate and like whatever. Um, I didn't want to carry so much food to the point where it's like going to slow me down hiking. Um, so I would, you know, just carry like, I think it got to the point where we carried like the minimum amount that we could like go with. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, if we knew it was going to be a three day section, we'd plan our food for just three days, even down to like, Oh, we're going to have, we're going to try to get dinner in town. So we're not going to have that third dinner or we'll have breakfast before we leave. So we're not going to carry that first day of breakfast. So the meals were definitely planned to the point of like, what can we carry to to a minimum, but not to the point where like we would just be hungry because we made it a point to snack, um, throughout the day as we're hiking um meals became you know you had your breakfast 
Then you had your snack between breakfast and lunch. Um, we had our 30 minute lunches and then we had another, like maybe like a 10, 15 minute snack. And then it was dinner at camp. But then in between any of those like little meals, like we would just like eat like a bar or something like that. Right. Um, You're still I, snacking, but yeah, yeah. Snacking. But at the same time, I knew I was not getting the right amount of calories. I think I was averaging about 3,500 calories per day. Oh no, that wouldn't be enough. Yeah, no. And so I definitely, I lost the weight just because of that. And mm-hmm. you know, I didn't really, um, I wasn't really disappointed about it just because I knew that, that that's what was going to happen. So as expected in the very beginning, I tried to make it a point to pack maybe at least 5,000 calories of food. But I found that it ended up being where there was a lot of food just going to waste not waste, but like I just wouldn't eat it and it would just be carried over to the next day to the point where it was like compounded into like a whole bag of food once I got to town. And you, and you weren't eating it just because you weren't hungry at that point. It didn't sound or taste good. Um, it was just, yeah, just out of, um, like the lack of hunger. I think I was getting to a point where I didn't really feel hungry even though you knew your body needed it, I just wasn't hungry. I just, you know, just kept drinking water um, and just like went from there. So yeah, it was, I would say it was a lack of like, more like the lack of appetite. It could have been that I might've been hungry, but just didn't really think about it. Yeah. Wish I ate more, but (laughs) I don't regret it. (laughs) I'm still, I'm still healthy. I'm, I've bounced back to like 180, you know, like, three months back from the trail. And I was like, Oh, I guess I didn't lose anything. So yeah. Yeah. It feels like, and you're not alone in this, that there's this constant dilemma between what you need to hike versus the weight that it costs to carry it. Yeah. It's that, it's that cost benefit analysis constantly. Yeah. 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 So like, that was like a big part of our like resupplies, you know, like we, we had to think about, you know, I think we started to think less and less about the calories, like towards like the later half of the, the, the trail. It was more so just thinking about like what meals are we actually going to like eat? Um, and then just like plan our food based around like the specific amount of meals that we were going to have. So like just think about the calories was just pretty much thrown out the window. Yeah. I mean, calories per weight was still in the discussion. But it wasn't like the absolute like deciding factor on like what we were eating because just because like we didn't want to like eat peanut butter for like the rest of the trail. (laughs) It's packed with so many calories or protein. But it's also heavy. Yeah, but that's the thing. It's like you are carrying something that's heavy. Uh, So we we tried our best to make sure that we can throw things that we would enjoy eating. Um, You know, that's where like. Uh, we switched out our lunches from like uh, tuna packets to spam. I don't eat spam now, but I definitely enjoyed spam on the trail. <laughs> huh. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, having to be, being able to change things up, like definitely helped out a lot with our diet. Yeah. Cause I guess when you're like hiking, you kind of have, you, you do have cravings for like different things you don't normally eat, like, you know, in your everyday yeah. life. So it's sort of your body telling you what it needs. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was craving soda every day, but you know, I'm home now and it's rare for me to 
drink soda. I mean, I'll have soda once in a while, but um, yeah. out there, you're just like, I just need something full of sugar, <laughs> something sweet, <laughs> something quick. Yeah. What for you is sort of like that iconic moment or memory of your of your time on the trail or your experience of the trail? Hmm. <laughs> uh, I would say, you know, honest, uh, iconic moment. Uh, that one's a hard one because there's like so many. <laughs> yeah. I guess what is, what is one that comes to mind when you think of the trail? Like when somebody says the PCT and, you're, and your mind just fills in the blank. What does that fill in with? I, uh, there's so many run, things that run through. And that, I mean, a, a big part of it is the people. Yes. Because, um, you know, you do, you do enjoy running into people, like meeting someone, especially like if you've been hiking alone. Not alone. I was with Travis you know, most mm-hmm. of the time. Like the moment you ran into people, you wanted to, like, to talk to them. <laughs> that was like one thing. But I think... When th- every, every, honestly, when I think about the trail, what I look, look back upon is actually like going to the Sierra. And I just, I'm always constantly thinking about the moment I got to Mir, the, the Mir Pass, like the top of it, just because it was a long slog. Um, it took forever to get up there. It was like hard to get up there because, um, you know, you're going up in elevation. But when I, the moment I saw the hut, I was about like maybe like 30 feet away from it. And I stood there and I stood there staring at it for maybe a good five minutes just because I was just like in awe of like what I, what I had like, you know, walked up to. I know it's just like a little stone hut, but you know, it was a big day for me and I was just so tired, but I was overwhelmed with like emotions of like, you know, this is like, I like, I made it up to this spot and I always think about that like all the time, just because like the, the sun was setting and just seeing like the, the sunset around that. And like knowing that I was in the middle of nowhere, um, it felt like I was in Antarctica or whatever, but, um, <laughs> I think getting there is like something that really just like made an impact or it, it left a memory and, oh yeah, I don't know. There's just so much. I, I can think of like a bunch of stuff, but I'm just like, the, I would say like Mir Hut's like what comes to mind. Like every single time I think about the trail, I don't know. I, it was just because of the challenge of walking on snow and having to go through all those passes um, before Mir just made me think it was a great time to be alive and <laughs> getting to that point. So is there anything that we should talk about that we haven't yet? Um, hmm. Anything that should be said? Maybe. I mean, yeah, I would say like what challenges of hiking with a friend. (laughs) Bring it. Uh, You know, honestly, it was not as. So in the very beginning, I was I had this expectation, like, what if something's, you know, what if this doesn't work out? Like, what if we get tired of each other? Travis and I had gone backpacking several times before, you know, like before the PCT, we spent some time in New Zealand um, and going through backpacking around there. So like going, you know, starting the PC together, I think a lingering um, thought I had was like, you know, would I do something that would like disappoint my friend, you know, to the point where like we would end up having to go, you know, on our own way or something like that. But being able to get to Canada together, (laughs) 
was really an eye opener because it just made made you think about like you know like we went through all those challenges together and not at not at no point did we ever think about okay i'm gonna leave you behind like we can't hike together anymore it's just like you know things weren't gonna work out so that was like a big surprise to me was just like how long we were able to (laughs) hike together i know for a lot of people it's hard to do that but i think what made it easy was that we both had you know we both have the same interests you know we we both love having that challenge of like what the trail was like and things like that. And, you know, we were able to share like our emotional experiences together. So <laughs> now were you guys hiking together during the day? Yeah. Well? The, yeah. Okay. Most of the time. Yes. Um, like we always camped in the same spot. We had lunch in the same spot. There might've been um, some days where we would like, we wouldn't see each other. Um, and we, you know, that was like an opportunity for both of us to kind of like, just like think on our own, you know, whether we wanted to listen to like a podcast or, you know, just kind of like take in like the scenery, um, as if we were like hiking solo, but there would be at at some point, like after maybe like three hours of not seeing each other, we would like catch up to one another. So there was several days of that where, but we were, there was never a day that we were like actually um, hiking separately to the point where we camped in two separate spots. Yeah. Everything, it was almost like, uh, we were like brothers that were just like, you, you couldn't just like separate them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was great. I was, you know, I'm glad to have that opportunity to hike with a friend because I, looking back at it, I probably wouldn't have gone through the, gone through. I probably would have just like ended the hike early or something had I continued hiking solo um, just because like I didn't find myself wanting to, I guess, slow down for some people or, you know, cause, uh, when I got back on trail after the wedding, I found myself like hiking ahead of a lot, you know, like people were taking zeros or they were just like hiking slower. Maybe they just weren't having their trail legs. They were talking about once they got to Canadian Meadows, it would flip. And I want, and I was like in search of someone who would just like hike my pace or, um, I can like hike into the Sierra with, um, and I didn't find that on the, the three days that I came back. So it was like one of the, one of the deciding factors on why, uh, you know, I wanted to catch up with, uh, Travis and hike with him and like, you know, others that you might've hiked with previously, but yeah, it was great hiking with them. You found the perfect hiking buddy. Yeah. <laughs> so who knows? You'll probably, you'll probably continue, you'll continue to see us hiking together on some trips. Um, he's currently yeah. out in Atlanta getting ready to hike the AT. Um, yeah. we'll, <laughs> this time alone, <laughs> solo. We'll <laughs> this time if, you let him go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever go back and catch the Mojave area section? No. So that was, so that's actually, um, something that I'm saving for this year. I did get a permit recently, um, just to hike, um, that section. Um, I still have about 15% of the trail to complete from mile 403, um, up into Kearsarge. So, uh, okay. forest surpass. I know a lot of times forest surpass is like that iconic point for a lot of people. Yeah. And I missed on that. Um, actually Forrester, Whitney. Yeah. Whitney. Um, Whitney, Originally, Whitney was not on the list of things to do because I had um, I hiked 
up to Whitney um, a few months before the PCT. Um, so, you know, I was, I always thought that, yeah, I'm not going to do it again. I already did it recently. So maybe this time around, I think I might add it as like a, as the pinnacle to the end of my last section. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. Cause when I, if I, if I were to go Sobo in this section that I have to complete, I'm like mile four or three is like nothing. Like <laughs> I don't want that to be like the <laughs> pinnacle of my hike or the end of my hike. So I have to find something. So maybe, I don't know, like the, what could be iconic for me, like might change. Cause I still have, you know, 300 something ish miles to go. Um, I was looking forward to the aqueduct, um, and hiking through the Joshua trees and, you know, the windmills. And, um, I missed out on that last year. Um, didn't get to do Forester pass. So, um, that's something that I'm, I still, you know, can look forward to, um, and get me excited to get back on the trail. You have some iconic moments left out there. Yeah. Oh, for real. So coincidentally, I was given two weeks off for social distancing. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, since I'm still getting paid for these two weeks off, I might as well use that opportunity to get on the trail right now and like get, exactly. you know, get that section out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it was good. It was all for good reason to get off trail for, for that section. I mean, yeah. I got off trail to get married. A lot of times people get off trail because they get injured. You know, they, they hire out or the trail's not for them or whatever, or they're just skipping ahead and that's it. They never come back. It, it's always, uh, I think a lot of people find it interesting to know that I'm like, Oh, you got off trail to get married. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm it was surprised that your fiance let you get on trail personally. Yeah. But. Oh yeah. <laughs> it, it took a little bit of convincing, but we made it work. Thankful that he was very supportive of it. Um, at the end of the day, um, yeah. someone had to take care of the dog at home. <laughs> someone had to work, <laughs> but yeah, I think having being that it was a destination wedding as well, made it worth like getting off trail. Um, oh, hell yeah. Yeah. As you probably already know, went to, it, I got married in Ireland. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then did a honeymoon in Italy and did a tour around there. So um, definitely worth the month off. <laughs> you got the best of both worlds last year. Yeah, really. Yeah, no regrets. Got to travel. And yeah, it was definitely a summer to remember. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was your trail name out there? Tiger. <laughs> okay, so that was the one that settled on. Yes. Um, and, and it was a name. Um, actually, I was... Someone, um, so the reason why I got tiger was, uh, so the bro shats, they're a set of twins that hiked that we ran into a few times. You know, they, they, they took a look at me and I had my baseball <laughs> cap on and my sunglasses on. And you're like, you look like tiger woods. I'm like, yeah. Um, <laughs> I had a tan out there cause it was a desert section. So I got my trail name at mile 209, I think, or might've been 200 at the 200 mile okay. mark. <laughs> but that wasn't the first instance, instance that I um, was kind of given that because uh, throughout college, people would always tell me I look like Tiger Woods whenever I have um, my baseball cap on. And I swear we're not related, <laughs> but um, it was one of those things where like, you know what? It was given to me multiple times before I'll roll with it. And I, at least it wasn't something like an embarrassing moment. Um, where I would get my um, trail name. So True. I was about that. <laughs> <Not> there like... <laughs> are enough of those. Yeah. 
I didn't want to be given a name, you know, that involved like, oh, like if I tripped over a rock, oh, you're tripped. <laughs> or I don't know, like something, something funny. But I mean, yeah, I needed something yeah. more genuine. So, you know, it was a name or nickname that was like given to me multiple times. And I was like, you know what? If that's what you guys are going to call me on the trail, I'll go with it. <laughs> Take it. Uh, yeah. Where can people find you if they want to follow your continuing adventures and or have some questions for you? Well, you can find me on Instagram uh, via Sam Goes West um, or on Reddit as Sam Goes West. Yeah, I'm pretty much available for questions. Uh, <laughs> we'd be glad to answer them or you can find me. We can go hike together, something. <laughs> That's right. You got, you got some miles to cover. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Sam goes west. I did start a uh, a blog a while back, but I ne- I didn't keep up with it. It's samgoeswest.com, but <laughs> you're you're free to go through some of those posts. I think there's only like two. They were from the very beginning of the trail, and I just never went on from there. I might still fill it in. I kept the journal, so I can always just fill that in at some point. Did you keep a paper journal or like on your phone or something or on the phone? Yeah. Okay. It was like, they would like, they would be like long journal entries and then about, and it progressed, it progressed. It, it became a point where I would just put keywords <laughs> and then I'd just have to remember the experiences from that, from that day based on those keywords. So, yep, I used my phone. I didn't carry anything other than like the phone to do everything. I started out with a camera, dropped that because I used my phone eventually. So, Yeah. Thank God for technology. Right. Luckily, everything's <laughs> in my head. So <laughs> that's right. You can dial through the images. Yeah. Yeah. What is your full name? How do you say your last name? My name is Samuel Yeva. Um, the Yeva. double L is like a Y. It means to carry or to wear. It's a Spanish word. Oh. So I guess it's very fitting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This backpack <laughs> over, you know, 2000 something miles. So I guess it's in my name, you know, to go backpacking, to carry something. <laughs> Little did you know. Yeah. I, I had a conversation with a um, with someone who's interested in doing the hike next or the PCT next year. And I like one of the things that I told him was like, honestly, dude, I'm not going to tell you what not to bring because everybody is different. You know, I can make my suggestions yeah. on like the gear that I brought and why like it worked for me. Um because I know all of us are out there probably dying to know what someone else is bringing or like, what, what do you think works best? But, you know, like I told this guy, the biggest advice I can give you is just, just, you know, get out there and try this stuff out, you know, before you like go or even while on trail, you could switch things out. I mean, mm-hmm. you have access to REIs like within a hundred miles of the trail, like in the, in the desert. So <laughs> yeah, too far from, places to get, you know, equipment um, and not to be afraid of like switching things out early on. Well, I think that that's, and that's the thing. Well, I think it's twofold actually for me Mm -hmm. that sort of is the freedom to just kind of do it, which is everybody says you pack your fears. Yeah. You know, so you just kind of embrace that and you just, and accept that that's what's going to happen. Yeah. And then, as you just said, you know, as you get out there, you start figuring out what works for you, what doesn't work for you, mm-hmm. what fears you can let go of. Yeah, it's freshman year. That's all the way I look at the. Yeah. it's freshman year. <laughs> Senior year is like you know is obviously Washington. 
you know, you get senioritis as you're like leaving Oregon because you're just like, oh man, like I don't, I'm, I don't want to like have to do all those climbs of Washington State. So you're just like, you start to feel like you're gonna procrastinate or something like that. But honestly, <laughs> like it's high, it's like it's like your four years of high school or even college, you know, with the trail and it's different sections. So I enjoyed every bit of it, despite the suck. <laughs> Um, definitely a lifetime, a lifetime's worth of like memories I can, you know, talk about. So after finishing the 300 miles, do you see yourself going out and doing another long trail? Yes. So there, we, we're pretty, we're like, I think we're interested in doing the CDT next year. We being you and Travis. Yeah. And we're going to probably, we're going to do our best to add to that as far as like, getting a group together <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna start a bandwagon <laughs> we're trying to get the whole group. Uh, yeah well there's certainly a group of people that you've been you've been hiking with mm-hmm. that probably would that's true enjoy that yeah that's definitely true so we're looking forward to that um i remember you know once we got to canada i was i told myself never again like my body is just so broken I never want to do this again just because it's so long. I remember we were going through sections like, you know, I think I would enjoy this doing it as a section hike, you know, just so we can enjoy these different sections more. But like, as I get further away from like having, you know, with my bottom, having my body go through like all that pain, you know, the memories of that pain are just slowly like dwindling away to the point where I'm just like, I miss being there. So, um, yeah, I think as we get closer to like next year, I think that might be that might be the trail for us to do next. So, in the meantime, do something little, um, you know, whether it's the JNT or something like you know, go through the Grand Canyon and do like the Arizona Trail or something like yeah, that. Yeah, or even like the Colorado Trail, um, something small to get me like back into it. <laughs> On top of your three hundred miles. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, right now uh, I did go back to work um, and luckily like with my current job, I'm able, I have more freedom as opposed to like when I was working a full-time nine to five corporate Mm -hmm. job where I didn't really have much free time other than the three weeks of vacation they gave me. Um, Now it's just kind of like free to do whatever. I can take some time off if I need to. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Sounds like the perfect excuse. Yeah. <laughs> well, now that we have these two, I have the next two weeks off of social distancing. I might as well take. <laughs> <laughs> hey, why not? I'm getting paid. <laughs> That's right. Take advantage of it. And your mode of, of taking advantage of it is perfect social distancing. Yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to it. So we'll see. I've got a day, a, a little bit of a, maybe a day. I'm going to give myself a day to plan and then go from there. <laughs> okay. Nice. Yeah. I look forward to seeing uh, where you end up. Yeah, totally. Um, Hopefully it's something great. I'm sure any trail is great. You know, you just got to make the most of it. So, um, yeah, not as grand as the PCT, but, you know, um, I think just being out there, you know, it really does have a great emotional effect on your, you know, your soul. So.
And links for Sam's gear can be found on our website at hiking-through.com. Special thanks to Sam for sharing his stories from the trail and Maya Wynn for the use of the song Try Again. I hope that this conversation, these conversations, inspire you to seek out other people's stories and to share your own. We all struggle at times and feel like we're alone. Listening and telling our stories lets us know that we're not. I'll see you on the trail.